Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have another awesome episode. That's right. Every episode is awesome. At least in my eyes. Or at least before I start recording it. Maybe after I finish, I'm like, oh god damn, that sucked. But I'm highly motivated, man. I'm excited. A lot of cool shit happened this week. One of the really cool things was getting to meet Brian Ochoa. He has done a lot of work for me. He did the cover for The Rules. He did a lot of background animation for Trying to Die and Brightside anime thing. And a couple other different things. He's done some really cool stuff. He was the one who designed the Death Fest tattoo. And he just brought over the brand new Death Fest shirt. It's pretty awesome. On the back, there still has to be one last little change. He's doing that right now. We're adding one more shirt to the back of this concert shirt. So here's the back of the shirt I'm wearing. So we got the list of all the names. So just need to add one more. But how cool is that? So we got Grandma's House, Brightside, Pandemic, Wizard's Tower, Wild West, Death Fest, Ghostland, In a Dark Fairy Tale, Super High in Roswell at the Meadow Spire Mall, and also be adding Between the Worlds. That's the one that's going to take place in Dusseldorf. So those are the first half of the Try Not to Die. We got a bunch planned. So check it out. Here's another front. This is what I used to have on the Try Not to Die mask. This is a different front we'll have on the shirts. I think that's pretty dope. So we got Try Not to Die there. Then he also came up with a really cool design for the back of the shirt. I love this one. Uh, try Not to Die, Big Ass Spider. I think that one looks pretty sick. He tried it on the front and the back. I really like it on the back of the Death Fest shirt. So this is what Death Fest looks like on the shirt. I think it's pretty cool. And and on top of that, a recent Ghostland contest just finished where we were also giving away the Ghostland shirt. Here's that shirt. Just got this one in. You could order this one off of DuncanRalphson.com. I died at Ghostland and all I got was this t-shirt. So that is the other shirt. I'm going to make another version of this shirt, the I Died at Ghostland, with a cool Try Not to Die design on the back, too. So all of those are being developed. Brian is also helping me with, he's designed the cover for the Best of Death Fest, the album cover. It's going to be a small booklet. It's going to have 11 songs in there, all the lyrics, a little bit about each band, bios, all that kind of stuff. So he's designing the cover for that. In addition to that, we are working on a rash guard. If you guys don't know what a rash guard is, that's what we wear for jujitsu, for no gi. Here's an example of the one that I wear a lot, the short sleeve one, 10 Planet Whittier. Got a rep. Been enjoying that. Been going to the new 11 a.m. class. That one's super cool with Coach Mike. So feeling pretty good. Do that Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 11. But, and then here's one I made a long time ago. This was for my MMA thing, Unlocking the Cage. I gave these rash guards out to different fighters. Anyhow, so what I'm designing now is a Try Not to Die rash guard. I think we're going to have two versions. One that will be just all horror, probably with actual, going to have Try Not to Die branded into the skin through the rash guard, probably stab wounds, bullet wounds, all that kind of stuff. That one should be cool. And then also probably a jiu-jitsu injury-related one as well. So looking into making those, I think that should be pretty awesome. I uh, don't know when all that will be done because, like I said, 
Got a lot of shit planned. But thanks to all this big picture stuff, I have not been very creative. I have not finished the China Style back at Grandma's house. I still need to finish that up. Hopefully this will be the week. But I also have my buddy Carl coming out with his son Luca. So going to be focused on them, having a good time, actually enjoying this last week of vacation before school starts. So not sure when that story will be finished. I still will have it done and ready for the book fair. So that's all that really matters. And even if it's only available pre-order and it comes out in print a couple weeks later, that will also be fine. So I'm not going to stress shit too much. I'm incredibly happy with the way things are going. So there's really no need for me to keep pushing it. In fact, with Trent's Diet, a dark fairy tale, I let Evan know that we were just going to set it to the side for a little bit. I can't work on the death scenes just yet. Got too much shit going on. Need to finish everything else up. And then we will hit those death scenes, which are going to be awesome. We already know what majority of them all. I think we know what all of them are. We just need to write them. So those are going to be sick. Same thing with Super High. As soon as I get time, I need to finish those death scenes and yeah, just go from there. But I don't need to keep pushing myself as much as I have been because yeah, there's only so many hours in the day and there's a lot of shit I want to do. Like I, I want to go to jiu-jitsu. I want to take my son to jiu-jitsu and watch him there. You know, I want to hang out with the family at night instead of always being focused on trying to, you know, work on something or create something or send off emails or mail books. Like this week, one of the big things was mailing books. Finally got all that done. And now I have to send off books to the winners. But again, not a big deal. I'm glad to do it. One super cool thing that happened this week, I realized that I could send off print copies of Death Fest to different countries. So I went to Books of Horror Freeview. If you are on Facebook, which I, I'm only on Facebook for my group, and the books of horror group. That's pretty much all I see. But go on there. Awesome recommendations for horror books. But they also have books of horror freeview. A little subgroup in there. And there I posted something about the trying to die at death fest. Giving early copies to people in Australia, Canada, the UK. Because last time just not able to send those people books because of the cost. But being able to send a proof. You know, it's not signed or anything like that, but I could just print it in their country and send it right to them. So I did that with uh, several people. So that would be cool to be seeing reviews from people all around the world and not just the U.S. So I'm looking forward to that. Those all went out. I still need to send off Death Fest copies to lots of my loyal fans. So I need to figure all that out. I almost forgot to mention, we will be continuing to read uh, Ghostland. My daughter's reading the next chapter in the book. Hopefully you guys have been listening. If not, you can go back to previous episodes. Just go to the end of them and listen to her read from chapter one on. I've been doing death scenes. I will do that again today. I'll read that before she does her version. But before we get to that, let's talk about what I've been reading or actually what books are free on Kindle Unlimited. This week we have Try Not to Die in the Wild West, co-authored by John Palisano, who also did Try Not to Die in the Pandemic, and who also wrote Try Not to Die in a Hellhole, a short story. If you haven't checked that out, be sure to get that. I think it's only 99 cents. But yes, Wild West is free. Check that out. I know it looks pretty happy and friendly. It's like, oh yeah. But yeah, it gets a little graphic. It surprised my buddy Anthony. He read it and he's like, dude, I was not expecting that. But he loved it. He loved all the different ways to die. And that's what I'm finding. People are enjoying it. So what else is going on? What am I reading? Well, actually, I just got 
this in the mail. This is The Sun is a Circle Meant for Serving, a novella by T.W. Boyce. He has been helping me with a lot of stuff. He is writing, trying not to die, at the Meadow Spires Mall. That's going to be awesome. I met P.W. through the HWA. Hit it off. Really enjoy his writing. That's why I invited him to write Try Not to Die. He's also writing a Death Best Confessions. So he's writing a short story from a band member's point of view. He's writing from Bone Rivet's point of view. And I'm not sure when I'll get that story or when we'll put it out. I'm not planning to release those until after Death Fest is out. So probably October-ish. I got the first Death Fest confession story in. But I will talk about that in a little bit from a different author. First, this so I was about to take my son to jujitsu. I see that this came in the mail, taking it into the car, open it up. I'm like, oh, it looks awesome. Hand it back to my son while I'm driving. He's checking it out. He thinks it's super cool. He gets quiet for a little bit. And he's like, hey, dad, your name's in here. I was like, what? He's like, yeah. And then he read it to me. He said, if not for the constructive criticism and encouragement of Mark Tullius, this little book wouldn't be what it is today. In fact, it wouldn't be here at all. And if it weren't for the constant faith shown by my wife, Jamie, there's no telling how few words I'd have committed to the page in the first place, even if those words give her the heebie-jeebies. Thanks to you both. Thank you, dude. That's super awesome. You're welcome for whatever little help I've given you, whatever encouragement. Super glad that that has made a difference and it's helped, but also super proud of you and excited about working with you and, and collaborating with you. So, I think we have a lot of awesome stuff ahead of us. This is a really cool novella. You can check it out as P.W. Foyts. I'll put a link down below. I'm not sure whether or not it is on sale or free this weekend or next weekend, but either way, check it out. The other thing I'm reading, this one is for enjoyment. I've had it for a long time. Actually, my daughter had it. She hadn't got to it, so I stole it back from her. This is Winter's Myth by Gage Greenwood. Really digging it. I'm reading it super slow. But the way it's written in these episodes, these little chapters, is perfect for that. Like I said, I don't have a lot of time, but I'm super enjoying it. Very, very smart book. Well written. It's not official yet, but this is also kind of work because I believe Gage and I are doing a Try Not to Die. We just got to figure it out. We got to talk about it. But yeah, we're both definitely down for it. I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, if you haven't read his stuff, check that out. That is Gage Greenwood. Um, if you're in the books of horror group, you will know who he is because he is in the indie brawl over there. You'll see all the different reviews of people loving his book. His new book, Bunker Dogs, is doing incredibly well. So again, check him out, support him. You will not be disappointed. Okay, I mentioned I already got a story for the Death Fest Confessions. That one just came in. That is by John Cohn, the author of Slash Tag. He wrote it incredibly fast. It's an awesome story. He is writing from a band member from Flamethrower. That's one of the headliners. So his probably won't come out till the end of these short stories. I'm not sure how many we're going to have. But it was just so cool to see him take this one person, minor character, who has a couple lines, does a little bit on stage, not very fleshed out at all, singer of the band, and he takes him and he writes an awesome short story. It's just so cool seeing that kind of development of one of your characters. So that story is awesome. That makes me feel even that much better because I hadn't mentioned it, but John and I are doing a Try Not to Die. We already signed the contract. 
that's going to be amazing. Being able to work with authors like that is super cool. So there is no doubt that is going to be an incredible book, just like Duncan's. I, I knew his ghost land was going to be awesome because I enjoy his writing. You know, he's going to come up with an incredible story. And so I'm just honored to be able to play a little part in it, to be able to put it together. Definitely a lot of fun. So why don't we get to it? Oh, you know what I was going to do? I totally forgot about it. But I was going to see if there are any Ghostland reviews. Duncan is awesome about sharing reviews, thanking people. I'm kind of shitty at it. Not And not because I don't appreciate it, but sometimes I just don't see it. And I don't know. I got a bunch of excuses, but let's get to it. Let's go to the newest reviews for Try Not to Die at Ghostland. All right. This one is awesome. This one is from Leah. This is by far the most fun I've had reading a book in my entire reading life. That alone is so super cool. So, And not just because I'm an avid fan of the Ghostland series by Duncan Relson. I've never read an interactive book, and man, I was missing out. It's like playing a video game, but in book form. It goes on. So super cool. Thank you very much for the review. Start of another one, Extreme Fiend. So much fun. I feel like a kid again. I really do. Choose Your Own Adventure books were an absolute favorite of mine as a child. I always wish one could be made with adults in mind. Not that I am above reading one wrote for kids. Fans of the Ghostland books will have so much fun with this. People that haven't read Ghostland will have so much fun with this. It helps to have read at least the first book in the trilogy, but not all needed. I've died so many times, like so many. I haven't even made it out yet. I just keep dying. Anyway, from within the walls of Ghostland, I send this message. If you want to be a kid again for a few hours and have a great adventure, get this book. Last one from Angel. I haven't had this much fun reading a book since the Choose Your Own Adventure books of my youth. This book brought back all those incredible feels, and I'm so excited to get the others in the series now. Very well done. So, thank you very much. Couldn't ask for a better response. People having fun reading. That's such a cool thing. I've had a lot of people, early on I was noticing that, like, even my friends were like, oh, dude, I'd never read books. But they'll have fun reading this one. If I could draw in teens, males especially. I think reading's boring, not that much fun. It's like, okay, well, this is a little bit more like a video game. You can have a good time with it. But that's just me. All right, let's get to it. All right, here we go. I'm barely winded. I could probably make my way back to Legion House just as quickly as it would take to reach the gates. It might be difficult to find wherever I drop my phone, but if my friends are still alive, even if cell phone service is out, maybe I can use the GPS tracking app that Gabby and I put on our phones to find them. If Church was lying about not being able to get through the gate with us, I need to know why. If it wasn't church, I might be in more trouble here than I thought. So, did you choose go back and look for your phone, or did you head for the front gates? I hope you went and looked for your phone so you could find your friends, Like, because what kind of person wouldn't do that, right? Head to the front gates. You know they're going to be closed. Don't be dumb. All right, let's check it out. See what happens. Heading back for my phone might be suicide, but what kind of person abandons the people they love? I start for Legion House and stick to the shadows, one in a hurry but freak the hell out. The clowns, the pirates, the screams. I just want to find my friends and go home. Visitor Center is up ahead. There's nothing but open ground and dead bodies between the bush I've ducked under and the building. I'm about to sprint for the doors when the bush shakes like it's being torn from the ground. I leap onto the sidewalk and run for the doors, stopped by an ear-piercing shriek that's only getting louder. It's coming from above. A person plummeting toward me, arms and legs flailing. My first thought is stupid that I could catch them, 
but I'm already backpedaling, knowing the impact could kill me. I go to cover my eyes, trip over something behind me, and fall flat on my ass. I get to my knees just as the body slams to the ground a few feet away with a crunching splat. So hard I feel the vibration of the pavement hitting my body. I stay low and go to crawl away, but something grabs hold of my ankle. It's the woman I tripped over. Her broken and bloody face unrecognizable. Her grip and voice weak. There's nothing I can do for her except comfort her in her final moments, but whoever dropped these people must still be around. Cruel laughter from above pushes me into action. I tear my foot free from the dying woman's grip and scramble for the visitor center's doors, spotting the skeletal pirate ghost with an eye patch perched on a nearby lamppost. He keeps chuckling and waving his bony fingers at me. It's either forward or backward, so I keep going for it. The door is so close. My fingers touch the handle just as the pirate swoops down and grabs two fistfuls of my hair, lifting me into the sky like I weigh nothing. Let me go! I bat at his hands, try to break his hold on me as we rise above the tops of the food stands and vendors. His grip is unbreakable, my hair tearing as we go higher, higher, higher above the visitor center, higher than the ghost land wall. The splattered bodies down below look like discarded toys scattered on a kid's bedroom floor. If he lets go now, I'm dead, so I hold onto his bony wrist with everything I have, pulling myself up to stop the hair from ripping out. With one quick jerk, the ghost tears out a handful of hair. The top of my head erupts in agony as a chunk of my scalp peels off with it, my grip on his wrist doing absolutely nothing. My horrid scream drowns out every other sound as I fight to hold on. The pirate releases a torn chunk of hair and gives a little wave with his bloody bone fingers as the flap of scalp sails toward the ground. No, no! I'm only hanging on by my hands, my grip slipping off his bony wrists, slick with blood, the pain incredible. The pirate flies higher, takes his time reaching down and grabbing my fingers, bending them back until they snap. Then I'm falling so fast, the ground speeding toward me, and I'm screaming so loud, praying the end doesn't hurt, that I'll die before my brain has a chance to register the pain. Good job getting her killed again. Terrible choice. The correct choice was to head for the front gates. My daughter will now read you that. But just on the next time, pick right. Don't be picking stupid stuff like go find your phone. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Hope you're enjoying it. Please subscribe, share, like, you know, all that stuff. All the stuff that you need to do because I'm terrible at marketing. Thank you. Much appreciated. All right. Here is my daughter reading the next section, the correct answer. Hope you enjoy it. We will see you next week. Peace. As badly as I want to find my friends, I still have to think about my own survival first. Hopefully, they're all still together. All I have to rely on are my own instincts, which seem to be getting worse by the second. Even Church has left me behind. I can't be 100% sure he is who he says, but he did know a lot about me and has already helped me enough that I feel guilty for suspecting him of lying. Maybe that ghostly smear on the pic was a who computer glitch, like Eli said. Maybe it was just a smudge on the camera lens. Or maybe it was a different ghost. The old woman in the morning dress, whoever she is, said I'd been touched by the spirit world. Maybe she'd met church, but what if other ghosts were watching me even then, vying to get into the space he'd left? Whatever it was in that ghosted selfie, I can't let myself dwell on it right now.
I continue on towards the entrance until the side of the security station becomes visible around a small building. That's when the hologram of that mustached creeper in the green cardigan pops up in front of me, and I almost literally pee in my pants. Tell me, he says with that creepy little smirk of his, what are you afraid of? He asked the same thing when the four of us came by from the other direction, only I must have missed his little welcome to Ghostland part this time. They say he was a semi-famous horror writer who died a few years before I was born. Whoever he was, I'd never heard of him before. Supposedly Ghostland was his dream, but he was long dead before it became a reality. It's kind of sad in a way, but I suppose it's better he didn't live to see his dream become this nightmare. The park map pamphlet calls him Rex Garrett, a pretty stupid name if you ask me. Eli's parents actually have a few of his old books, which was one of the things that got Eli into horror when he was younger. Jordan called him Sex Carrot, and we all laughed while Jordan pretended to peel a carrot and stick it up his butt. I'm pretty sure none of us are laughing now. I wave a hand in front of his face. His eyes don't follow, but he is definitely looking at me. Eli said it probably uses some kind of AI tracking on the headsets. A pretty sophisticated hologram, but he, or it, doesn't seem to be able to say much other than the same two sentences we'd heard on our way in, which it repeats now. Welcome to Ghostland, the most terrifying place on Earth. Tell me, what are you afraid of? Not you, I say. Not anymore. The hologram's lips curl upward into a smile, but then it resets and repeats the introduction on a loop. I keep going, heading for the gates. When I turn back after a few seconds to see if he's still watching me, the hologram is gone. Like last time, it seems to be dependent on whether or not anyone is around to see it. It reminds me of the old brain buster about the tree falling in a forest. Escape is so close, the gate's just past the big park map and security station. Once I'm outside the park, I can work on getting Gabby and our boys to safety. We gotta get this damn thing open, a burly male voice shouts somewhere up ahead. I'm sure I've heard this man before, but I don't know when. All I know is that it's not the green-haired kid who sold us our tickets. Get the damn thing open. Get what open? Then I remember. When we passed under the gate, it had what looked like an inner wall made out of thick metal. Jordan, who'd be going to college next year for software engineering if he wasn't such a goof-off, figured it could lower when the park was closed and raise when the park opened, like a castle gate for keeping out intruders. If the gate really is closed, it means we're all trapped in here along with the ghost trying to kill us. Maybe we could try to scale one of the walls somehow, but they're at least 20, 30 feet high. If it was a rock wall, Gabby could scale that thing in her sleep. She's got the abs and ass to prove it, though I guess part of that is from cheering. Unfortunately, the walls look pretty smooth and flat, at least from what I've seen. I run towards the familiar voice, just grateful to hear people who aren't screaming in terror. The second I get around to the back of the security station, I remember where I've heard the voice before. It's the guard with the tribal neck tattoo, the one who checked us through. Gabby said he looked Polynesian. After we'd gotten far enough away, Jordan had bragged that he could take him, and Gabby and I laughed. Take him to where, she asked, snoring with laughter. 
to Dairy Queen, like our first date. A larger group of people mill around the gate. There's way too many of them to be out in the open with what's going on elsewhere in the park. They look frightened, talking anxiously to each other. Ghost bait, basically. One of the men wears a purple shirt with SPO spelled out in big white letters on the front. That means he's a suicide prevention officer. The message when we first put on our headsets said we should go to one of them if we needed help. Before we left, the news said some kids were planning to commit suicide on opening day in one of those flash mob things, like when everyone was going to Naruto run at Area 51. We figured it was just trolling, but I guess since the suicide rates actually did spike when the Ghostland people first told the world that an afterlife exists, it makes sense that they'd want to cover their asses. The security guard and his partner, the shaved, bald, white guy with a goatee, are down on their hands and knees with their fingers between the bottom of the heavy metal inner gate and the concrete. As I get closer, I can see their muscles straining below the short sleeves of their Ghostland security uniforms, the tendons standing out on their necks. The white guy is that kind of beefy muscular type, like the guys who compete in that world's strongest man competition, pulling monster trucks and rolling giant tires. But the Polynesian guy is pure muscle, like the rock with less tattoos and more hair. We need more hands, the goateed guard shouts. Three men in the group hurry over, along with one of the women. They get down between the security guards and lift along with them. Everybody, the tattooed guard shouts. The more hands we've got, the quicker we'll get out of here. Reluctantly, most of the other adults and teenagers head over and get a grip at the bottom of the gate. Only a few stay behind, sheltering their small children. On the count of three, Tattoo shouts, making me look around warily, worried he'll attract the ghost's attention. One, two, three. Everybody lifts with a collective grip. I get in besides Goatee and the only free space left on the inner gate. Fifteen of us in all, pulling as hard as we can until finally the cool metal raises off the ground. Just about an inch, but it's something. Okay, y'all, we can do this, Goatee encourages us. He gives me a brief, strained smile. On three. He counts again. On three, we all put everything we've got into it, and the gate rises another inch. What's your name? He says to me, the tendons in his neck pulled taut. I tell him. Lucky, huh? Let's hope so. You see that dolly over there? I whip my head around, expecting to see the doll from the visitor center has finally caught up to me. By the security building, he says. There's one of those lifter things up against the wall. They must have been moving something recently and left it out. I see it. Go grab it, huh? Good idea, brother, his tattooed partner says. I nod. You'll be okay? The goatee guard grins. I think we'll survive. Okay, I say, and let go of the gate which doesn't seem to suffer from my absence. I hurry over to the dolly and roll it over. See if you can slip it underneath, Goatee says. I have to wiggle it a bit and give it a kick, but I manage to get it under, just barely. Good job. Now, you see that little red button? There's only one button, so I press it. The lifter makes this kind of high-pitched grinding noise, shaking and buckling right away. I don't think that's going to do it, his partner says. Just give it a second, Nico. The goatee guard, 
I see now his name tag says Leonard runs back. I watch the lifter creak and shake, mesmerized by it. Get back in here besides me, Leonard says. I hurry over, crouch down, and help lift. The dolly groans and the gate rises another few inches. We're doing it, Leonard says. I can see the parking lot, the suicide prevention officer shouts from the other end of the line. I think we can squeeze through. Don't do it, man, Nico shouts back. The SBO lets go of the wall, and just like when I let go, it doesn't move at all. Maybe the lifter's holding more of the weight than I thought. The guy gets flat on the ground like he's about to do push-ups. The people around him tell him to get back, to help us hold it, to stop what he's doing before it's too late. It's entirely selfish, but he's pretending like it's heroic. I can do this, you guys, he rationalizes to us. Maybe I can find a way to open it from the other side. And before anyone can stop him, Espio starts crawling under the gate, abandoning us to save his own ass. He's halfway through when the lifter whines and snaps in half. The gate drops so fast that everyone lets go at once, moving out of the way so it doesn't crush their hands or feet. There's a wet, crunchy, squashing sound, and a collective gasp runs through the crowd. We all knew it was going to happen, but seeing it is something else entirely. Even with all the death I've experienced today, watching a guy get crushed from the legs up like the Wicked Witch of the East makes me wince. God damn it, Leonard says. Nico claps him on the shoulder. We tried, brother. Now what? Nico shrugs. Now we find another way. Hey, you remember what Joe said about the service hatch? Leonard looks hopeful. Oh, hell yeah, except we don't have the code. Yeah, but Joe does. Leonard strokes his goatee and thought. Yeah, he says after a second or two. You're right. Where was he when he last checked in? Nico gives him a dark look. Right falls. The asylum? Leonard hitches up his uniform pants by the belt. We really gotta go in there, huh? Just be glad we're not on the night shift. Leonard chuckles darkly. True. Okay, yeah. I guess that's the plan, then. Head to Bright Falls, find Joe, get the hatch code, get the hell out of Dodge. It sounds like a pretty good plan to me, except what if Joe's already dead? I don't tell him that, though. Leonard and Nico seem so determined that I don't want to take the wind out of their sails. Okay, folks, we have a new plan, Leonard shouts his hands cupped around his mouth. He explains it to us, most seeming convinced, only a few looking skeptical. What do you say, Lucky? Leonard asks. You coming with us? We could use someone as quick on their toes as you. With a group this large, it's likely many of these people are gonna die. That doesn't mean it's a doomed plan, but we might as well be putting targets on our heads. There's as good a chance I could find my friends either way, but if I go with them, I feel like there's more risk of dying than if I go on alone. Time for a decision. You can go with the group, or you could head off alone. 